We have now come to our next lesson with the doctrine of Christ, with his ex execution of his three offices as prophet, priest, and king. Let us segment the lesson properly. With each office, I want to add the aspect and wherein the functions take precedent both in his humiliation and also his exaltation. For by question 23 of the Shorter Catechism, we have that Christ, as our Redeemer, executes the office of prophet, priest, and of king, both in his estate of humiliation and exaltation. So by intro, let us understand first why it's important to understand why he willingly took the office of mediator. For consider, Christ takes in the covenant as the mediator, but he did not take onto it alone, for he willingly took it. For recall the agreement that was made before the world began amongst the Godhead. The terms were set onto who, what, when, why, and how man was to be redeemed. So by what we have from good and necessary consequence deduced from scripture, do we see, as Ephesians 1, verse 9 eloquently puts it, the mystery of the will revealed, Christ was called by his Father to take on the role of being the mediator in the covenant. Hebrews 5, 4 through 5, it states, And no one takes the honor for himself, but receives it when he is called by God, just as Aaron also was. So too Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but it was him who said to him, you are my son, today I have fathered you. Now, for Christ in his work in the mediation, we can see both natures act accordingly. For it pleased the Father that in the fullness that should dwell in him, it will furnish Christ to properly execute the office of a mediator for he is to be the surety that comes with the new covenant i bring to you this in his human nature united to his divine nature number one christ was sanctified and anointed with the holy spirit above all measure john three thirty four. for he whom god sent speaks the word of god for he does not give the Spirit sparingly. Secondly, he has all treasures of wisdom and knowledge emboldened in him. Colossians 2, 3, I'm sorry, Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3. Their hearts encourage, having been knit together in love, they would attain to all the wealth that comes with all the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom all is hidden of treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in the end, the mediator, which is Christ of the new covenant, it is to show that he is all holy, all harmless, all undefiled, and he's full of grace and truth. John 1, 14. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace. And to add to it, Hebrews seven twenty six, 
For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, and separate from the sinners, and exalted above all in the heavens. Therefore, because Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, is anointed above all measure, set apart, and he is fully furnished with all authority, all ability, and mediating the covenant, ah, do we see now the proper execution in the offices of prophet, priest, and king of his church to perfection. So let's segue to the offices by question format and understand further what it entails. To this, I give you, how does Christ execute the office of a prophet? And he executed by revealing to us his elect by his word and spirit, the will of God for our salvation. To elaborate some more, it is the revelation that is given to the church in particular, and it crosses all ages. I bring to you 1 Peter 1, 10-13. As to this salvation, the prophet who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things, which now you have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. Therefore, verse 13, prepare your minds for action. Keep somber in spirit. Say your hopes completely on the grace that was brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's add more context. In him, Christ, revealing to his church by his spirit and by his word, the will of God of salvation for our lives it came about in diverse administrations, as you would understand. Under the Old Testament, the covenant of grace was administered by promises, prophecies, sacrifices, circumcision, and the Passover, and other types and ordinances, which did what? It foresignified the Christ then to come. As compared under the New Testament, the covenant of grace was administered with Christ as the substance now being revealed. And in his cohabiting with mankind, he exhibited that the covenant of grace was still intact and it was still to be administered. But how so did it change from the old to the new? By which he further simplified it. One, first in the preaching of the word. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, Go all into the world and preach the gospel to all the creations. Number two, 2a, the administration of sacraments by one, baptism, Matthew 18, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And within that point, the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 to 25. 
For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said to them, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And now, in no particular order, lastly, we also have prayer. John 16, 23-24, which states, Truly I say to you, if you ask, ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. So now I will circle back, family of mine, so I do not lose you. For the point here that is in the diverse administrations, it came about given Christ revealing to the church the will of God for the church's salvation. It is the same covenant of grace, whether it is the old administration or the new administration. For in the old, it was sufficient that everything that was encompassed was to build them up in faith of the promised Messiah, which then, by which can they understand that they had full remission of sins and too they also had eternal salvation. I bring your attention, Galatians 3, 7 through 9. Therefore, recognize that it was those who are of the faith who are also the sons of who? Abraham. The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preach the gospel beforehand to who? Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. Verse 9, so then those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Now, going from our father Abraham, transitioning on to the New Testament, again, we note that Christ was revealed in substance, and he further simplified, showing that all those works and all those attributes and all those pledges that were made in the Old Testament foreshadowed, and he was the fulfillment. And by further simplifying the way that the new covenant was going to be administered by the preaching of the word, the use of the sacrament, and by prayer, again, the same is still expected. Grace and salvation is now in its fullness, and it is evident, and it is, it is efficient to all the nations. Hebrews 8 verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry to the extent that he's also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. Uh, Hebrews 8 continuing to verse 9. Considering the old covenant that was which made with our fathers on the day which I led them by the hand and to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Verse 10, continuing Hebrews 8. For this new covenant which I make with the house of Israel, after those days I will be their Lord. And I will state this, I will put my laws in their mouth 
I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. For what reasoning? Hebrews 9, 15. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the violations that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. All this being shaped by what was prophesied, the Lord encompassed it in his office of a prophet. And now, let's segue as he takes those prophecies. And now further, let's look at his execution as a priest. By question, how does he execute this office? By answer, I give you this. He offered himself up once as a sacrifice to justify divine justice. I'm sorry, to satisfy divine justice and to reconcile us to God and making continual intercession on behalf of his people. I will elaborate some more. Under the old administration, the sacrifices were many, and as even the writer of Hebrews put it, they were defiled. First, I bring you to Isaiah 1.11. What are your many sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of ram and the fattening of fat cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats. But then, Hebrew 9.13, if the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify the cleansing of the flesh, you see, again, the work of Christ and his office as the priest in that one sacrifice he took upon himself, willingly, by the way, it was to show if he was the sacrifice that unlike the ones that were under the old administration, his sacrifice was efficacious. His sacrifice was without spot. It was without corruption to God. I bring you now Hebrews 9, 14. Then how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the internal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. Hebrews 9, 28. Christ also having been offered once to do what? To bear the sins of many. Beloved, this is beautiful because note, in Christ executing the office of a priest, not only was it one, sufficient, but number two, it undid what was done in the garden. He reconciled us back to God. Note how Paul states it eloquently in Colossians 1, 22, 21 through 22. And although you were previously alienated and hostile in attitude, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh through death in order to present you before him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Now, let's not take away the fact that from his order, 
it was not like that of the old administration. For you had the finite order of the Levitical priesthood. His order was from the order of Melchizedek. Why? For it was written in the old. And what was promised? He will be a priest forever. Let's show the harmony that was made of the promise in the old. Psalms 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And it's further explained in the new Hebrews 7, 15 through 17. And this is still clear. If another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of a law of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life, for it is attested of him, you are a priest forever. And again, according to the order of of Melchizedek. So to close on this point, being that he executed the office faithfully and without corruption, as a priest, again, I can't stress this enough, his intercession on our behalf is ever so more efficacious and a key word here is continual. I bring to you, excuse me, I bring to you, um, I bring to you thou, knowing that, we can segue into that last portion of his office, which is the office of a king. And being that he is king and ruling forever, him and his execution executed by subduing a people to himself and ruling and defending them and by restraining and conquering all of their and his enemies. I'll elaborate some more. And subduing the people to himself, calling them out of the world and ruling and defending them. He will do it by giving them officers, laws, censures, so to show that he is still visibly governing them. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he also gave to them as apostles, as a prophet, as of evangelists, as of pastors, as of teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the ministry, for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. How about Isaiah 33:22? For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He will save us. Finally, Matthew 18, 18. Truly I say to you, and this is more going towards those officers. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosed on earth shall be also loosened in heaven. Furthermore, let's add to this point, and subduing a people to himself, as a good king, he will reward you for obedience, and he will correct you when you sin. First, Revelation 22, 12. I apologize. Uh, my <laughs> my piece here seemed to have missed it. But Revelation 12 shows that how he will reward the people for their obedience and in correcting them in their sins. We look at Revelation 3.19, which states, Those of whom, whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So lastly, and it really does bring everything to a point. And restraining and conquering all his enemies... 
and ours. He powerfully ordains everything for his own glory and for their good. He takes vengeance on the rest who do not know God and do not obey his gospels. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9. And a flaming fire dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. These people will pay the penalty of internal destruction away from the presence of our Lord and from the glory of his power. You know, it's it's quite amazing when we consider how the Messiah, you know, take a lot into effect when it comes to taking what was done, you know, before the world began. And it's beautiful to see it all play out. And I can assure you that as I'm concluding, because my time is out, but I can assure you that as we get to the final lesson, I had brought to you that we must understand how his redemption, that Christ has purchased, is certain, effectual, and communicated. And given that our next lesson is our last lesson, I want to make sure that point hits home. But consider after everything we've gone through, from the timing of the introduction to understanding his humiliation and his exaltation, what those encompass, and now seeing the three offices show in harmony and in unison the work of being the mediator of the new covenant, can it be so much beautiful when we go in that final day of glory and see him and to see that work in full effect and all its glory?